Hey, High Point Life Church, all of you watching at home, what a privilege to be back here again. You know, I love coming here. I love your pastors. They're such great people, such a heart for God, and such a great dedicated team that you have. You see, what a privilege it is to be able to speak on this in this series, to speak on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is such an important person in our journey with God. You know, before Jesus left the scene all those years ago, before He ascended into heaven, He made a promise to each and every believer. He made a promise, a promise that is for you and for me even today, saying that though He was going away, He was not going to leave us as orphans. We are not going to be alone. We are not going to be left without a connection to God. And we're not going to be left without help. He promised us that there will be one who is going to be with us, who will continue to lead us and guide us and teach us and comfort us. He promised us the comforter, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit as we call him. You know, uh, understanding the Holy Spirit is such an important part and such an important such a crucial part for you and I as we journey with God, the role that He plays in our life. The Holy Spirit is sometimes referred to as the third person of the Trinity. Uh, firstly, you and I need to understand that our God is a Trinity. Uh, some people will say, you know the word, you Christians talk about a Trinity and the Trinity is not even mentioned in the Bible. Yes, the word Trinity is not mentioned in the Bible, but the word Trinity was coined to describe the God of the Bible. Uh, we serve a triune God, tri-united. That's how you get the word triune and that's how we get the word Trinity. There are three persons in the Godhead. You know, some have tried to give human illustrations for the Trinity, such as uh, they would use examples like H2O. I'm sure you all know what is H2O. H2O can manifest as water can manifest as ice and can manifest as vapor. Three different manifestations, but they all are H2O. In fact, if I were to use mathematics, it, the Trinity would not be 1 plus 1 plus 1 equals 3. It would be 1 times 1 times 1 equals 1. Our God is a triune God, but the reality is, the Trinity is a mystery because it doesn't fit into our frame of understanding uh, in a way that we can rationalize it. It is a mystery. In fact, people often pick on the issue of the Trinity. They would say, hey, your scripture says God is one, but why do you say that God is uh, three? You know, you're going against your own scripture. Uh, and they would often refer to the scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, where that says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So they say, you see, the scripture says the Lord is one, but you guys say God is three. That would be correct, or that argument would carry some weight if that scripture was originally written in English. But it wasn't originally written in English, it was written in the Hebrew language. And the word one there is translated from the Hebrew word ikhan. So, Ikat can mean one as in a positional one, like a first place. It can mean one as in a singular one, as a one person or one thing. Or it can mean one as in a united one. Let me give you an example. That same word ikat is used in Genesis chapter 11 verse 6. Uh, you all know the story of the Tower of Babel, where it said, And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are 
one, that same word, ikat. The people are one flesh. God was not talking about one as in a singular, but one as in a united form. That same word is used in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. It says, and this is a scripture we are all familiar with because it's used at all our many weddings and so forth. It says, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one. Ekhat, that same word, one flesh. So he wasn't talking about one as in singular, but one in its united form. So our God is one. Our God is a plurality in unity. God the Father, perfectly, fully God. God the Son, Jesus Christ, perfectly and fully God. God the Holy Spirit, completely and fully God. And you see the Trinity throughout Scripture. In creation, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 then God said, let us make man in our image. He doesn't say, let me make man in my image. He said, let us make man in our image. And, and it goes on to say, in the image of God, he created. God is that our, there, there was the Trinity present even at that point of creation. Um, in, even in the early stages of creation, it says, the spirit hovered above the water. And God spoke, let there be. So you see the presence of God and you see the presence of the Holy Spirit. But then you would say, then where was Jesus in that whole, whole picture? To understand that, you need to read the book of John, where it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So Jesus Christ was the Word of God. In the beginning, God said, the Word, Jesus Christ is the Word become flesh, and the Spirit moved in accordance to the Word. That's why it says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 9, of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. God created through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the Word of God. Amen? We see the presence of the Trinity in Jesus' baptism. Luke chapter 3, verse 22, it says, The Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. So the Holy Spirit was there. And a voice from heaven, the Father's voice, You are my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. The Son in the waters of baptism, the Holy Spirit descended in the, like a dove above Jesus, and the voice of the Father, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all present at that moment of baptism. And we see Jesus himself acknowledges the Trinity. He says in Matthew 28, verse 19, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul signs off one of his many letters. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So the Trinity is a biblical reality and describes the nature of our God. And the Holy Spirit is often described, like I mentioned, as the third person of the Trinity. And today you and I are living in the age of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, you see God the Father at center stage. In the New Testament, in the, throughout the four Gospels, Jesus is at center stage. But before Jesus ascended, before he left, post-Jesus, he said, wait, I will send you another helper. We are now living in the age of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16, verse 5, it says, But now I go away to be with him who sent me. 
Yet none of you ask me where are you going. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. What he's saying is it is absolutely necessary for me to go away. Go away. So now the helper or the Holy Spirit, after I go away, I can send him to you and he will be with you. He's called your helper. And um, the, the word helper comes from the original Greek word, the paraclete, which is from the Koine Greek word parakletos that signifies, that can be translated to signify these things. One who comforts, one who consoles, one who encourages or uplifts, one who refreshes, one who intercedes on our behalf as an advocate in court. And all of these descriptions of that word is actually the roles that the Holy Spirit plays in yours and my life. You know, today we do not have Jesus in his physical form uh, walking with us, but we have with us the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, through whom Jesus is able to fulfill his promise to never leave us nor forsake us, to be with us even till the end of days. You and I have the Holy Spirit with us today. Jesus in his physical form was restricted. You know, God in the flesh could only operate within the limitations of the human body. Uh, he could only be in one place at one time. He could only exert an external influence on his followers, on his disciples. He could teach them, he could guide them, he could reveal truth to them, but he couldn't go in and alter or change their hearts. That's why the disciples, despite being with Jesus, despite walking with him for so long, they just didn't get a lot of things that he was teaching. They didn't understand. They retained a lot of their, their brokenness, their bad tempers, pride, greed, jealousy. But after the Holy Spirit is sent, after they receive the Holy Spirit, they move from having God with them to having God within them. And that made all the difference. And you see the tremendous change in the lives of the disciples after receiving the Holy Spirit. Their lives, their attitudes, their thinking, everything about them was transformed. The Holy Spirit made the difference. You see, Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. The Holy Spirit is God within us. And that takes our lives, our walk with God to another level. That is why Jesus said, it is to your advantage that I go away. It's actually going to be much better for you that I go away. Because now I am in a position to send you the Holy Spirit. It, through, through the Holy Spirit, Jesus is no longer limited. He doesn't just, now we don't just know what to do. We have the power of God working in us, allowing us to do the things that God wants us to do. The Holy Spirit is basically Jesus unlimited. Come on, say Jesus unlimited. You know, the Christian life is not difficult. The Christian life is impossible. Uh, we are not meant to live this life manual as, uh, manually, as uh, Reinhard Bonke would say it like this. Uh, we are meant to live our lives power-assisted. And he, of course, he was referring to, to cars. You know, I, I'm old enough to have experienced manual cars. I don't know how many of you listening to me ha have driven manual cars. And uh, I had this car that my brother-in-law passed to me all those years ago when I was much younger. It was a Datsun a name that you don't hear in the market anymore. It was a Datsun 160J. 
and I used to love driving it. It was quite powerful. And, but the thing is, it didn't have a power steering. It was a manual car. So I remember going up to Guntings and going up that windy road and you have to turn here and you're, and you're, you're turning there. By the time you reach the top of the mountain, you're w- getting out of the car and you're walking like that. You look like you just left the gym. People say, did you go to the gym? No, I just drove a manual car all the way up the Genting Windy Road because you use so much of your own power to navigate through, uh, through the roads to, to get the car doing what you want it to do. But then they invented the power steering. Of course, they invented it much earlier, but I had access to a power steering car. I bought my first car, power steering, and the whole experience of driving changed. Now I could go up Genting, one hand out the window and one finger turning the steering wheel left, right, left, right. It's so easy. And that is what the Holy Spirit does for you and for me. We are not meant to go through this life trying to navigate it by our own strength, trying to overcome by our own power. God has put His strength and His power on the inside of you. You go through life power assisted. You know, I don't have what it takes to live this life that God has called me to live. And the good news is God knows that you and I don't have what it takes to live this life that He called us to live. That is why He gives us His Spirit to come and live within us. Now, I have what it takes. I have Christ in me, the hope of glory. The Holy Spirit is is God's gift to you. You have what it takes to overcome that problem. You have what it takes to have victory in your life. You have what it takes to overcome what the enemy is doing in your life. You have what it takes. It is not by might or power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. He is your helper. He's called the helper. John 14 verse 16. Jesus says, I will pray to the Father and He will give you another helper that He may abide with you forever. Another helper. The original Greek is actually translating that. is actually meaning, some, Jesus is actually saying, someone who is exactly like me. I don't know about you, but I need help in almost every area of my life. And I'm glad that I have the helper. You know, I need help to be a good pastor, to be a, to be a good father, to be a good husband. You know, we can go through life just struggling, but God gives us the Holy Spirit to help us through. You know, not too long ago, uh, in fact, a couple of years ago, my, my, I used to live in Klang, in Bandaputri, and uh, the thing that Bandaputri was known for at that point of time was floods. Every time towards the end of the year, the flood waters would come up and, and the waters would go right through, right from the, from the back of the house. It will come out from the, the drainage holes and it will go right through and come out to the front of the house. You know? And it became so common, like it would happen at least three or four times a year that we all got kind of used to it. But what I really despised about that whole episode was the cleaning the next day because you have to do a massive cleaning. We'd spend more than half a day, sometimes a full day, clearing the house, mopping, getting the water out. And, and no, we used to do that every time it flooded. Then one day, my friend told me, hey, why are you doing that? Don't you know that you have help? I said, what do you mean I have help? He said, you just have to call up the office, the developer's office, and because they're trying to help the people who are being affected by the flood. And what they'll do is they will send people to come and clean up the house for you. So I thought, wow, that's great. So the next time it flooded and 
it got really bad. What I did was I called up the developer's office, and in a short while, I had a whole bunch of people, probably four or five of them, come in, and they came fully equipped. They had the water pusher, the water sweeper, they had the scrubber, and they were fully equipped. They came, and they did to my house. They cleaned my house. What I would normally take probably half a day or almost one whole day to do, they did in an hour. It's so amazing. And the thing is, I went through seasons of flooding without realizing I had access to this help. And I was working so hard to try to get the house clean. But the moment I knew it, every time it flooded, I would call them up. And within an hour, that problem was settled. You know, God has given us the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we can go through our lives not realizing that we have access to all the power of heaven that God has made available to us to, to help us through our lives. But we try to do it by our own strength and we struggle. But God is saying to you, I have given you my spirit. You have help. He is called the helper. You have what it takes. Amen? Come on, shout an amen. He is your helper. He helps you live the life that God wants you to live. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Therefore, my beloved, even as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And you know, most of us read that, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, and we go into this panic state thinking we need to work out our salvation. If not, we're going to lose our salvation, and things are going to go all bad. But you know, we got to read the full, full verse. Because the next verse says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. Let me translate that from the Amplified Bible. It says, Not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and desire both to will and to work for His good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. So you don't just have salvation, you have God giving you the desire and the strength to live out your salvation, to live your life in a different way, in a way that pleases God. And I'm glad it says He creates in you the power and the desire Imagine if he just said desire without power. That's religion. Uh, every religious person desires to, do, to fulfill all the requirements of their laws and so forth. But the problem is we don't have what it takes. We do not have the power to live that perfect life. So the good thing about our faith is Jesus Christ comes. He doesn't just give us the desire. He gives us the power and the desire. Because the desire with the power it's just religion. So God gives us through the Holy Spirit, gives us the desire, but puts in us the power to live that life. He makes you more Christ-like. You know, Jesus is the answer that the world needs. They need to see and experience Christ's love, Christ's power, His heart, His wisdom. The world doesn't need more of me. The world doesn't need more of you. The world needs more of Jesus. And today, Jesus reveals Himself to the world, through your life, through my life, through the church. Uh, the Holy Spirit's role is to make you more like Jesus so that through our lives, people who don't know Him might come to know Him. Jesus is not going to come again to introduce Himself to people. He's going, now He's introducing Himself to people through His church, through the believers, through you and I. That is why He says uh, he, all of us who had the veil removed can now see 
and reflect the glory of, of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. You know, I came to God filled with bad habits, uh, bad language, wrong ideas and thoughts, things I struggled with for years. But those things in me started to change as I surrendered to the Holy Spirit. I realized it wasn't about what I was doing, but it was about what God was doing within me as I yielded to Him. You know, if you are here today and there are things that you are struggling with, and you want change, maybe your answer may not be another counseling session. Uh, maybe it's learning how to surrender to the Holy Spirit as we are transformed bit by bit into His glorious image. He is at work in your life. He is at work in my life. He's in, at work in this church. Amen. That we will reflect more of Him. Another thing that He does is He brings conviction. In John chapter 16, verse 8, it says, And when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. I mean, that's a loaded scripture. There's so much that we can learn from that. But I just want to touch on this topic of uh, conviction. He brings conviction. I cannot go on indulging in a certain behavior or lifestyle. You know, we start to feel bad about things that we never used to feel bad about. But note that he brings conviction. He doesn't bring condemnation. Condemnation is aimed at keeping you down. Conviction is aimed at getting you up and out of that situation. Condemnation will tell you you are unworthy, you are worthless, and you are horrible. Conviction will tell you you are too good to keep on doing that. You deserve better. You have what it takes to live a better life. Conviction will pull you out of the rut, out of the mud, and into the life that God has for you. You know, condemnation is from the devil. It is motivated by the devil's envy and hatred of you. Conviction is from the Holy Spirit. Conviction is motivated by God's love for you and for your, for your family, for your life, for your future. You know, and I want to pray for people, I, and I do believe there's someone listening today that's struggling with not conviction, but with condemnation. That constant feeling that you are unworthy, that you don't deserve to be here, that you're, you know, you're not a part of God's family, that you're a sinner, that you are without hope. And I want to tell you this, uh, this morning, you know, that is a lie from the devil. That is not God's will for you. And God wants me to expose it in your life right now. He didn't come to condemn you. That's why the scripture says, therefore now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. But yes, He will convict you. He's convicting you because He's saying to you, there is, better, there is a better life for you. Stop listening to the lies of the enemy. He wants to pull you out of this place and into the future that He has for you. He's come here to convict you so that you may see and understand His love for you, that you have a hope and a future. Stop listening to the lies of the enemy. Condemnation is from the devil. Conviction is from God. The scripture says He is your guide in John 16, 13. When He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. For he will speak, not of his own authority, but whatever he hears from me, he will speak. He will tell you of things to come. He will glorify me, and he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit will lead you or guide you into all truth. He will reveal God's will for your life. He will correct your parts. You know, some of you, you don't know what you need to do, or you, you don't know what's happening for the future. Spend time with the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you, to guide you, because that is His role. 
a part of his role for your life. And he will guide you. I remember as an early Christian, even trying to decide which church I should go to. I spent time with God and I said, God, you know, I'm a bit dull of hearing sometimes. You know, I'm a bit thick. You know, you got to make it very clear to me, Holy Spirit. You got to show me the sign. It's got to be as clear as this as to where you want me to go and I will obey you. And I remember receiving that sign as clear as day. Don't be afraid to ask the Holy Spirit to make things clear for you. You know, some of us are waiting for a voice to speak to you. Hey, go to high point life, you know. Most of the time, the Holy Spirit doesn't minister to you that way. Sometimes He can speak to you through your circumstances. Sometimes it's just a knowing in your heart, just a peace that you feel about something. Sometimes it's just a sign that you see and you know, wow, this is what I've been praying for. That is, and the Holy Spirit can speak to you through, through numerous ways. He knows your love language, but do you know His love language for you? Amen. You know, today you, need, you may need guidance to make a God choice for your life. The Holy Spirit will guide you. The scripture says He is also our teacher. It says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The scripture says He will teach you and He will... Another translation says He will bring to remembrance everything that I have said. Note that it said, it says... He will bring to remembrance. It doesn't say He will bring to appearance. For you to remember something, you first need to have encountered it at some point of your life. The Holy Spirit will speak to you, will bring to your remembrance the words of Jesus for your life. And for you to remember the words of Jesus, you first must have encountered the words of Jesus. You must spend time with the Word of God. You must spend time with the Bible. Daily read. You know, you don't have to memorize everything, but as you spend time with the Word, as you encounter the Word, He will bring to remembrance the Word for different circumstances, in different circumstances that you face in life. Many people say, I don't hear the Holy Spirit, and ask, have you been reading the Word? They say, no, I haven't been reading the Word. Do you know, do you, have you made an effort to spend time with God and uh, uh, with, with, with His Word, with His love letter for you? No, Pastor, I don't. I find it very difficult to read the Bible. The Holy Spirit will speak to you by bringing to remembrance the words of Jesus for you. Remember, if you don't encounter, you won't remember. So you need to encounter the Word of God as your daily bread every day in your life and you'll see your, your relationship with the Holy Spirit going to the next level. You know, the role, of the, Holy, the role the Holy Spirit plays in our lives is amazing. He is indeed that advantage that Jesus promised us He would be. You know, there are two dimensions to you receiving the Holy Spirit. The first is receiving the Holy Spirit in you. The second is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which, which I know you guys are going to be talking about and uh, praying for next week. But I just want to talk about receiving the Holy Spirit in you. The moment you give your hearts to Jesus, God puts His Holy Spirit in you. This is your born-again experience. You become a new person. You become a spiritual being. God comes and lives in you by His Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, it says, And when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom He promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give you the inheritance He promised that He has purchased us to be His own people. The Holy Spirit is God's promise to you. So the moment you come to Christ, when you believe in Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. He identifies you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit. 
And then it says, when we, when we receive the Holy Spirit, we become His children. Galatians chapter 4, verse 5. It said, God sent Him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that He could adopt us into his, as His own children. And because we are His children, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. So now that you have come to Christ, you believe in Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. And because you receive the Holy Spirit, you now belong to the family. You have a heavenly Father. You are not an orphan. You are not alone. You have God with you. We become His dwelling place. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. It says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? God's Spirit starts to live on the inside of you. So you believe in Jesus. His Spirit is deposited into your heart and you are now born again of the Spirit. That's what we call the born-again experience. So if you already have the Holy Spirit in you as the seal of your salvation, what is this about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? The Bible describes a two-dimensional encounter with the Holy Spirit. And we see that even with the disciples. Once Jesus resurrected, in John 20, verse 21, Jesus said to them, Peace to you, as the Father sent me, I also sent you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So there they were. They were facing the resurrected Jesus. And Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit. And, and that is their born again experience. This is where they receive that deposit, the guarantee, the Holy Spirit in your heart. They declare their faith in the resurrected Christ. And you receive the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And many people think, hey, that's it. That's the Holy Spirit bapt baptism, and uh, that's about it. But according to Jesus, that there was more. So after that, he, he tells his disciples to wait in Jerusalem. Don't depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So there's receiving of the Holy Spirit in you, and then there was the baptism of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost that came, that filled that upper room, that, that transformed the lives of the disciples. So God, at salvation, you receive God's Spirit of you. You become a child of God, but God also wants you to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You know, it, it's like me, when I drink a glass of water, the water is on the inside of me. The water on the inside of me is for my benefit, is for my nourishment. It helps me. It, it refreshes me. And that's a different experience for me jumping into, the, into a pool. When I jump into a pool, my experience with the water goes to another level. Now it's just not the water inside of me. Now the water is all over me. And this doesn't just affect me. It affects those around me. People who come into contact with me feel the water. They experience the water. They see the water uh, upon me. So the water within me, the Holy Spirit within me is for my benefit. The Holy Spirit within you is for your benefit. He encourages you, He teaches you, He guides you, He strengthens you. But the Holy Spirit upon you is to affect the world around you. He says, I will give you, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And He states the purpose for the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so that you will be my witnesses. And that is God's ultimate desire for all of us so that 
we can impact the world around us. You can impact your home, your family, those people at the shop, wherever you go. People see and experience the Holy Spirit that is upon your life. You become a witness of Jesus. So it's not just about me having the Holy Spirit, me speaking in tongues. Jesus didn't baptize us with the Holy Spirit just to make us tongue speakers. That is an evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He baptized us with the Holy Spirit to make us witnesses of Jesus. And I do believe that you're going to go into that next week and going to learn a lot more about that from your speaker next week. But today, I want to pray with you before we end. And to those of you who are going through life and you've been struggling and it's been so hard, it's like you've been driving that manual car. It's, it's been a struggle to navigate through the seasons that you have been going through. And maybe you've never really believed in Jesus or never really given your heart to Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity this morning because it says the moment you believe in Jesus, the moment you put your trust in Him 100%, he, God deposits His Spirit on the inside of you. You receive that strength. He comes on the inside of you to comfort, to encourage you, to empower you. You, you move from becoming a manual car to a power-assisted car. You go through life with a different perspective, with a different kind of strength and that is the life that we are meant to lead and I want to pray for you and if you have never given your life to Jesus even as you prepare for Pentecost next week which I believe is going to be a powerful Sunday for you and the church but if you've never given your life to Jesus if you've never put your trust in Jesus this is your opportunity this Sunday and if that's you I want to pray for you this morning I want to ask you to close your eyes let this be a personal moment between you and God Father I pray for a greater sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, to the voice of the Spirit, for your people, even as they, as they are listening to this. Lord, they will learn to know your every prompting a lot, your every nudge. They will not miss out a lot. They will learn to walk in the benefits and the power of the Holy Spirit, that they will learn to yield to you, Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that their experience with you from this day forward, will be, will go to another level, O oh God. And Father, I pray that even as they prepare for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, for those who have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Lord, Lord, that they will experience the fullness of being immersed in you, O oh Lord. And they will truly become witnesses for you wherever they go. And they will transform wherever you've placed them, the atmosphere and the lives of people in their world as witnesses of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way. Let your purposes be established. Your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray.